Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. You know, I don't think we can be in the same room together. You know, I feel it's a little hostile in here. <laughs> I, I think we got to go to opposite ends of the building to record. Uh, for the foreseeable future. Oh, my God. Well played, Pad. Thank you. If you don't know what we're talking about, make sure to check out the latest edition of 607 TWS, the wrestling show on your favorite podcast provider. You'll get a little more in-depth conversation concerning that news Mm -hmm. and a whole lot more of pro wrestling topics. But you are tuned in to the sports edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you after the show. So, Pad, where do everybody go? ODPHpodcast.com. Exactly. Everybody heads over to the website. You sign up on the social media accounts. You interact with us there. We definitely talk with everybody about the entire parlay of topics we discuss on all the ODPH programming. We also have the T-Public store link, which last week's sale definitely was making some noise. You never know when stuff is going to be popping off there, so you definitely want to make sure to pick up some ODPH swag in the meantime. Also, check out the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. One tier, $2 a month. This month, they got a bonus episode of me breaking down Fear the Walking Dead, mm. which we have not talked about this season on the ODPH. Uh, so they have exclusives, plus a little more news coming down the the uh, communication highway, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Also, the blog section, the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, and so many more. The directory, Pat, how many providers are we on? 627,000. That is correct for now, but we are losing one as it was announced that Stitcher will be no longer playing podcasts yeah, in a couple weeks. Yeah, they're folding the service up into uh, Sirius XM. Yes. So if you are listening to us on Stitcher, first and foremost, thank you for dropping that subscribe. You will need to transfer to another podcast platform to mm-hmm. hear us. So we have a whole bunch of them right there. So you can click follow, subscribe, and you will not miss a moment of the content. Also at the website. You can check out the music section, which has friends of the show, such as Brian Wolf and the Howlers. A new EP is coming out very, very soon. So if you're in the Austin, Texas area, you definitely want to go check out Brian when he's playing live. Speaking of live, returning to playing some shows, the one and only Shout at the Robots. Love those guys. Uh, Tom Jolu, who is always doing amazing things too, second suitor. Seriously, if you go onto the link, you can find so many great musicians to get familiar with and download all their music and become fans because it's that easy and they're just the best of the best, folks. Kid you not. All that and so much more. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. But kicking off the sports edition of the show, there has been a lot of moving and shaking in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Now, it's the offseason. Technically. We just had the NBA draft, Yep, which we're not going to really do a breakdown for it. Because it was like the most lackluster NBA draft in history. Yeah, exactly. Felt, felt fairly standard, unless you're one of the team's fan bases, uh, in which case everyone hated their pick. Well, we all knew. Except for San Antonio. They love their pick. Exactly. 
we all knew that Victor Wembiana mm-hmm. was going to be the number one pick from France, and everybody has anointed him as the next coming. The dude can cover an entire baseball with his hand. Don't believe me? See the photos of the first pitch he threw out at Yankee Stadium last week. Exactly. He held the baseball in the dugout and covered the entire thing with his hand closed. He has a lot of potential. Yeah, he does. Now, will it pan out in the NBA? Who knows? Yeah, no, it's one of the great unknowns. You've had a lot of guys, you know, who have been hyped up and have, have lived up to the expectations. I would say LeBron James, one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Say what you will. For all the hype that he came into the NBA with, I'd say he's lived up to those expectations. And then there are other guys through various reasons, what whatever they may be. Uh, certainly can think of some names over the years that just, you know, haven't panned out for one reason or another. Uh, Roy Hibbert is one that comes to mind for me. I remember him coming out of college. I'm like, you know what? He's got the chance to be a pretty decent Big man in the NBA, and uh, that didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, the draft is literally a lottery ticket. Yeah. Sometimes it hits big, sometimes it doesn't. It's like a parlay. Exactly. But when you're betting like that, this is for your franchise. Yeah. This year's draft, in my opinion, just didn't have any real sizzle other than Victor. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, it just, it didn't. There wasn't a lot of storylines going on with this. If there's anything that was kind of shocking to me, was Cam Whitmore from Villanova fell to 20. Mm. I figured he might go higher, but if he did... I'm surprised you paid attention at all. I saw the Knicks didn't have a pick at all. To be honest with you, I kind of dipped in and out. Okay. But like I said, I figured that with certain players, they make a bigger splash. I wasn't sure if the Knicks were going to try trading up. Sure. But that being said, everybody else just kind of seemed to go. Right. And we'll have to wait and see what happens here. I mean, if you want to talk about who I thought had a great draft, um, I thought Portland did okay. Okay. The pick of Scoot Henderson is kind of a little crazy to me, but we'll mm-hmm. get into that as we start talking about uh, the next news with the NBA. Mm-hmm. But I thought that Brooklyn, uh, listen, I'll give the Devils their due, I thought they had a really solid draft too as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Whitehead. Uh, from Duke, mm-hmm. I've seen him. Obviously, he can definitely shoot, and I think that will definitely help them in their rebuilding mode. Um, but other than that, like I, everybody else, I thought the Magic had the worst draft. I thought for all the picks that they had, I right. thought they went reaching a lot. Right. So we'll just have to wait and see. But like, just to reiterate, and I, I can't stress this enough about the draft, there wasn't any big real sizzle after this. No. I'm not saying this being. It was like for me. For me, I saw the first overall pictures because I wanted to see that moment. Because San Antonio, you know, statistically, historically, a lot of success with drafting big men in the NBA. Hello, David Robinson. Hello, uh, Tim Duncan. Oh yeah. You know, so I was like, oh, it'd be cool to see. You know, San Antonio get their new big man and see the reaction from the watch party in San Antonio. You know, and then I watched the number two pick and I was like, all right, I've seen enough. Yeah, because because after that, it wasn't like an oh, my gosh, we got to see where this guy goes. and We got to see where that guy goes. Like once you got past Wembiana, and then for me, the number two pick is like I didn't know who was going to go number two. So I'm like, oh, who's going to go number two? Oh, OK. And then I dipped out. Yeah, that's what I say. Like once you get out of the top three, it literally was a crapshoot. Right. And honestly, I mean, Brandon Miller might be a, a great forward in the sure. NBA. I don't know. Like I I didn't see enough in college that I was like really like, wow. Right. He could be a diamond in the rough, too. I mean, Charlotte could definitely use all the help it's they can get. It's such a hard thing to gauge when it comes to going from the college game to the NBA game because you think look, think back to me as a Syracuse fan, Johnny Flynn playing that, like, six-overtime game where he played, like, almost – I think he played every minute of that game. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. He played – but he played over an hour of that game. Then I'm like, yo, this guy is going to be a 
pr- probably decent NBA player, and then it just never worked out. Yeah. It's such a crapshoot. Absolutely. So franchises in the NBA aren't exactly as affected mm-hmm. as they are with the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like I say, the NBA draft is very interesting to watch. I'll say some some franchises, your night and your future can be made in one night. Look at LeBron James. Look at Kobe Bryant. Look yeah. at look at Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. I mean, the list goes on and on. But then there are some guys that like initially you think they're going to be like the the biggest thing since sliced bread, mm-hmm. and then it takes them a couple of years. It, you know, it's not exactly right out the gate. They got to kind of figure themselves out a little bit. Exactly. But why we're referencing this for being such a lackluster draft is. Some of the picks here caused a little bit of free agency moves Mm -hmm. to happen or some teams making trades. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're kind of dipping in for the next part of this segment is there have been some NBA trades going on that when free agency really kind of kicks into play, this is going to be how teams are kind of stacking up because the draft at least told some moves they were doing. And I emphasize this especially with Portland. Mm-hmm. So, Pat, let's kick that off. Yeah, so the first one we're going to talk about took place uh, back on the 18th of June, so a couple days ago, uh, where the, I'm reading from an article on ESPN.com and from Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, where it says, quote, the Washington Wizards are finalizing a trade to send a three-time All-Star guard Bradley Beal to the Phoenix Suns for a package expected to include Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, several second-round picks and a picks swap, sources told ESPN on Sunday. The Wizards also have agreed to send John, uh, excuse me, Jordan Goodwin and forward Isaiah Todd to the Sun, sources told ESPN. Uh, the deal could take a few days to be completed, but Beal is on his way to the Suns to form a new big three with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, sources said, close quote. Absolutely hate this move. Yeah. Here's the problem you have. Devin Booker is lights out. No question. Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. But when Chris Paul was there, he made Booker better. I don't know how Beal is going to fit in with this. Mm -hmm. Like, Beal has always been, in my opinion, a big fish in a small pond. Right. Washington has been... I hate saying afterthought, but let's be honest. Mm-hmm. We start talking about the elite of the East. They haven't really been in contention for a while, in my opinion. Right. And I think as good as Beal is, is it just a situation that he is the only option on a bad team? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I feel that he played into boosting his stats up here. Right. Like, can he make an impact with them? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But will he make an impact with... Kevin Durant and Booker, and plus how many basketballs can go around between the three of them. Right. That's going to be the problem because if you need that game-winning shot, who's taking it on that team? Mm-hmm. And with Devin Booker, I mean, this should be his team. Right. I don't know if you can say that right now. Right. Especially with Beal coming there. Mm-hmm. And then with Kevin Durant at this stage because, I mean, talented as all can be, but we've seen this time and time again with him involved in a super team. Right. How are they going to handle the mental toughness of the game? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm looking at Beal's stats from last season. Uh, he had 23.2 points per game, 3.9 rebounds per game, 5.4 assists per game, and his field goal percentage was just a tick over 50% at 50.6. I mean, for me, this is the ultimate, like, okay, you finally got what you wanted because it feels like it's been, like, between five and ten years that Beal has wanted out of Washington. Oh, yeah. And for various reasons, whatever they may be, it's just never happened, whether – 
he's seen, you know, some sort of light and gone, you know what? I'm going to stick it out here and we're going to build something to win. Or just they've talked him out of it. It's been the ultimate will they, won't they? And now it's finally happened. So, but all right, you got what you wanted. You got out of Washington. You know, you're in a potential contender in Phoenix, which does it make the team better? I mean, it, uh, Bradley Beal is younger than Chris Paul. So on paper, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Paul ain't exactly the Chris Paul of old anymore. So on paper, I think it makes him makes them slightly better. Will they be better? I mean, time will tell. It, it's hard to say. And, and can Devin Booker be the leader and be the, you know, the captain of that team to lead him to the promised land in an NBA championship? I don't know. He's a good player, but is he leadership material? We got to see. Yeah, that's a big question mark right there is we saw last year Phoenix should have ran away with this. Yeah. And they didn't. Yeah. And granted, Bradley Beal is an upgrade over Chris Paul at this stage. But with that dynamic, Paul is more known for his assists than anything. Yep. Beal is known for his shooting. So how is this all going to play out? Because if all three of these gentlemen are going to be successful, they're going to need to cut their shots down so everybody gets their turns. Uh, looking at Chris Paul's stats, uh, last season he averaged 13.9 points per game, 4.3 rebounds per game. His field goal percentage was 44%. His assists per game, 8.9. He almost doubled what Bradley Beal did. Exactly. That's the big question mark I have about this. Beal, I think, is in a good situation here. Well, it's better than Washington. It's that's better than sure. Washington, but I think he would have been be- better suited to go somewhere else. Sure. I just think with Phoenix trying to make a super team again, and obviously they're not done talking moves. Right. I think they're asking for trouble. I uh, really yeah. do. Yeah. I mean, they have a talented team <clears throat> as all can be. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's only so many basketballs to go around. Right. And if you're going to be having your franchise player and Devin Booker getting shots taken away from him. Right. I don't know if that's the best look. Somebody's got to pick up the assists or the lack of assists. Or, or excuse me, they, they got to make up for the assists they're losing with Chris Paul leaving. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant was real easy for him to pass the ball when you had Draymond Green down low and you had Steph Curry and Clay Thompson on the wings. Yeah. You know, that, that was real fucking easy. Hell, I could make a pass to those guys and, and get, you know, 10 assists a game, you know, but Chris, uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson aren't on this team, mm-hmm. you know, so is he going to be willing to pass up the ball in certain instances? Sure. You know, but is it going to be an every th- game thing where he's like, you know what? I'm a picked up, pick up the slack and, and get those assists. I, I, he doesn't strike me as that type, no. you know, you know and, and Devin Booker doesn't either. So can Bradley Beal pick up the slack and, and make up for those assists they're losing with Chris Paul leaving? Eh, maybe, but does he want to? I don't know. Whole different ball game there, especially with Phoenix still talking moves. DeAndre Ayton has been a name that's been synonymous with trades. Yeah. I don't know what his value will be on the market. I mean, he's seven feet tall. That will draw yeah. some interest. Yeah. But we saw since he's been in Arizona, he hasn't really lived up to the hype. Right. So – a lot of question marks with Phoenix about this, but when you have to compare them to the Denver Nuggets, yeah, I don't think this move makes them better. I think it gets them closer, but I don't think it this helps. Moves, yeah, but I don't think it makes them better. I'm sorry, just it doesn't pan out in my direction for that. Right. 
But speaking of Chris Paul, yeah, speaking of speaking of Chris Paul, he was not he was not done getting traded uh, because like the next day, a couple days after uh, he was traded again, Uh, this time reading from an article on uh, NBA.com, excuse me. Uh, The article reads, quote, the Golden State Warriors reportedly are finalizing a deal to acquire all-star guard Chris Paul from the Washington Wizards in exchange for guard Jordan Poole. Per multiple reports, the Warriors also will send 2022 second round pick Ryan Rollins. I wonder if he's a visionary. I wonder if he's a revolutionary. uh, And two future picks to the Wizards as part of the deal for Paul. Uh, and they include a tweet from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski and then uh, Shams Sharnia. Uh, the article goes on to say, though, uh, the reported deal comes just a few days after Paul was traded to the Wizards from the Phoenix Suns in exchange for guard Bradley Beal and hours before the 2023 NBA draft. So the Warriors will receive Chris Paul. The Wizards will receive Jordan Poole, Ryan Rollins, a 2030 first round pick, which is protected, and a 2027 second round pick. Uh, close quote. Well, <laughs> Paul wants that, t- that that chip. Well, this is a good spot to be in. This is a little crazy, to be honest with you. I know Chris Paul's name had been talked about getting traded as well. Separating him from Devin Booker, I, I don't like it. Sure. But I, I get it. And obviously, flipping him from Washington to Golden State, that helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, kind of just more or less trying to think how he will fit in with Steph Curry and Clay mm-hmm. Thompson. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think this is going to work out better than people think. I do too. Just for the simple fact he doesn't need to shoot. Uh, no, he doesn't. So, if, in case you're wondering how this is going to work, ESPN's got their depth chart right now, they being the Golden State Warriors. They've got Chris Paul at point guard, Steph Curry at shooting guard, Clay Thompson at the small forward, Andrew Wiggins at power forward, and then Kevon Looney at the center. Yeah. Which I think, now, that could be the line of barring if Draymond Green doesn't come back, but I'm banking Draymond Green on coming back. Um, but no, Chris Paul, it's it's another, uh, Chris Paul's points per game might go down from last season to next season because you're on a team with, with Curry, Thompson, and if Draymond comes back, you really don't need to pass. You just need to get open enough to pass the ball. Yeah. It, and so it's effectively load management in that you don't really got to do that much. No, the only thing he's going to be doing is making offense happen. Yeah, which he's been doing for his entire career. Right, and especially now that he's got two of the best shooters in, in NBA history yeah. at, at his disposal. He's got the Splash Brothers. Exactly. It's like a video game. Yeah, like You think about what he had with Kevin Durant and Booker, and, yeah. and he did great there. 8.9 uh, assists per game. But let's face it, Steph Curry is a better shooter than Devin Booker. Yeah. Clay Thompson is probably on par, if not maybe slightly behind Kevin Durant. But like, if you want to say just overall two and two, mm-hmm. Golden State's better than Phoenix about this. I had to do a look up uh, the record set by Bob Cousy in February of 1959 for most assists in an NBA game. That might be that might be in trouble this year. Yeah, uh, the record is 28. Now, the Bob Cousy, 1959. He wasn't exactly playing with uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. We've seen what those guys can do in the records they've done in a game and in a quarter and in a half. Right. That record might be in jeopardy this year. Oh, easily, easily. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is Chris Paul is not going to be relied to lead this offense. No, he's not. The entire the entire season, like he's more or less going to be put in for spot, you know, yeah. situations. Yeah. And really, when he comes in, he's going to just be quarterbacking the team yeah. and doing just like the little things. And I think at this stage of the game, I think that's perfect that's, for him. That's perfect for him. I think this is a very smart move by 
the you know Golden State Warrior GM Mike Dunleavy Jr., which I I'm I can't believe I for, we forgot to mention that. Yeah, he's now the new GM. Yeah, he's the, making the, moves like this. The, the one prior uh, decided to leave. Yeah, and he was the architect of building the team yeah. that with Mark Jackson, which everybody. So here's that, about. so here's everyone figuring. Oh, what what's Golden State gonna do without their GM that set up the dynasty? <laughs> They're making moves. Golden State is one of the best run organizations in the NBA. Yes, they are. Like, let's put it this way. In a very odd sense, mm-hmm. they're starting to turn into like the Steelers. Kind of, yeah. That you just know consistently yeah. they're going to be in the yeah. hunt for the playoffs. Yeah. Long as Kerr's there. Yeah. It was, Kerr's there, but I still think like if he should leave for whatever reason, right? they have a plan set up in place. Oh, they have to. And I think that they understand this. And they're making the moves right now because Dunleavy Jr. had been there for years. Mm-hmm. He understands the culture there. Yeah. He understands what it takes to win being yeah. part of this organization. So I fully think that they're in a prime place to make some moves for a long time. Front office does help a lot. Case in point, the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But do you think about how much cap space they cut by moving pool? Oh, God, yeah. Which was crazy to think they did because, I mean, pool was a big young, part. Of, young player, too. Yeah, he's a big part yeah. of the future they had. Yeah. But to see him get moved, I was very shocked at that. So ultimately, Draymond Green won that fight. Yeah. And I, and I, think, <laughs> and I think, yeah, they'll make a point to get Draymond back. Just the only thing is mm-hmm. you have to consider are they going to be paying him what he wants or are they going to say this is the team offer? That is, a from what I've read, a substantial difference. Yeah, because I think at this stage of the game, Draymond is not Draymond. No. You, you're getting him on the back end of his career. Yeah, and he's even admitted that. Yeah, so I think for what he thinks he's still valuable to a team, I would more or less put him on a team that's young and upcoming. Sure. And to give sure. them a, give them a little bit of toughness. If I'm the words, I think that I think this is kind of like a nego- it's going to be a negotiation process, obviously. But I think they're going to have to go a little bit higher than what they might be comfortable with, mm-hmm. just because there's not going to be a lack of suitors that are willing to pay whatever it is he wants. Yeah. But you got to hope that the hometown flavor and the hometown discount and like, hey, you're still playing with two of the best shooters and now one of the best assists makers in the game. Mm-hmm. It's as good a shot as you're ever going to get to win another ring. Oh, exactly. And I think that he needs to realize that, too. And if he's still thinking that he can draw like he used to, mm-hmm. sadly, he's in trouble. It's, it's, it's what does he want to go for? Does he want to go for legacy and being one of the best, you know, teams in NBA history, one of the best, you know, one of the better big men in NBA history? Or do you want to go for the dollar dollar bills, y'all? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And for Jordan Poole, I mean, hey, good luck. Good luck. I mean, I, I, I fully think he will be the next Bradley Beal because – He's going to want out of there ASAP. Oh, he's going to want out of there ASAP, but what he should do this year is just ball out of his mind. Yeah, you use it as basically a tryout period. Yep. You know, just to basically show, hey, I looked really good when I was playing with two of the best shooters in NBA history. Here's what I can do without them. Yeah. But that wasn't the only other moves going on. No. Uh, so the third one that occurred that we want to talk about, uh, this took place on the 22nd of June. Uh, and this is, again, ESPN.com article from uh, Tim Bontemps. Uh, and the article reads, quote, the Boston Celtics, Washington Wizards, and Memphis Grizzlies agreed to a three-team trade late Wednesday night that sends center Kristaps Porzingis, a.k.a. Tingus Pingus, <laughs> uh, to the Celtics, guard Marcus Smart to the Grizzlies, and guard Tyrus Jones to the Washington Wizards, sources told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. As part of the deal, Memphis is sending Boston its first-round pick in Thursday's draft, the 25th overall selection, and the Golden State Warriors' top four 
protected first round pick in 2024. Sources said while the Celtics are sending the 35th pick in Thursday's draft to Washington, the Celtics are also sending forward Danilo Gallinari and center Mike uh, Muscala to Washington as part of the deal, sources said. Uh, the three-team deal came together in, a, in the minutes leading up to midnight Eastern deadline for Porzingis to opt into his $36 million player option for the 23-24 season. With the deal completed, Porzingis opted in, sources said, close quote. Well, I honestly think Memphis came out the best of all three teams. All I got to ask is who the fuck is this? This Tingus Pingus? I've never heard of Latavia. You've drafted this fuck, you stupid motherfuckers. Yeah. That's all I got to say. If you haven't seen the video, you should go find the video. Mm -hmm. But we have to kind of take this in context as well. Marcus Smart obviously played a big role. We said they were going to make changes in Boston. Yep. Just what they were, we weren't sure. And to see him go, it makes sense. Yeah. But I think this hurts Boston a little more than they were going to realize. And I think for Memphis, this is a very, very good move. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Smart, I'm pulling it up now, uh, was drafted by the Boston Celtics in 2014. So he's been there nine going on 10 years. Mm-hmm. You ain't won the title there yet. You ain't going to at, yeah. at this point, you know, when they had Kyrie those years and, and all the years after Kyrie. Sorry, it just ain't happening, you know. So we'll see what happens with Memphis. I, I think it's an upgrade for Memphis. I think it makes Memphis a little bit better. It gives them another option to go with when they're on offense mm-hmm. you know so we'll see we'll see how it works out especially with John Morampi and now 25 games yeah yeah you want somebody to come in there that's going to be steady make sure making sure they contribute and mm-hmm. making the team better uh, he's not going to fill in completely no for Moran I want to no. stress this no but he's going to be somebody that I think is going to bring some stability to that team uh-huh and I think he's going to help him win some games and and when Ja gets back I think that's going to be something that he might take him under the wing, so to speak, right. and say like, "Hey, you've now been given your last chance. Right. Like, do you want to you want to make this happen, or are you right. going to screw this up?" As for Washington, I mean, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I think they made out a lot better. Yeah. Um, I feel bad the- for Gallinari. I was reading that with the day after this trade went down, Gallinari grew up a Celtics fan. Yeah. finally got the chance to play for the Boston Celtics. There's even a photo that's floating around, whether it's from his Twitter, Instagram, I don't know where it's from, but it's it's of him sitting in the Celtics locker room in front of his locker that's got his name, his number, and he's got this childlike grin on his face, and he's so excited, and then he didn't get to play last year because he was injured. Yeah. So, so he never actually got to suit up in a Celtics uniform and play for his childhood team. feel bad for that guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, if you get a chance to play for your favorite team growing up, I mean, it's a big honor. Yeah. But I think he'll get more time and minutes down in Washington. And Probably. And I think if he can find some of the old magic he used to have, I think he'll be solid. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a good veteran presence for them. Yeah, and especially right now, they're so in the rebuild mode. Oh, yeah. This is a way to get a spotlight on you, and if you're good enough to get out of there, they're going to get you. Same thing with Jones. Uh, Jones, I think, has always had the potential, but I but obviously has not panned out since no. the, since. The good old days of him at Cameron. Yeah, yeah. So we'll have to wait to see how this goes. And then, obviously, we got to talk Boston. Mm-hmm. I honestly have mixed feelings about this. Okay. And I'm going to try taking my bias out of this because, obviously, being a longtime Knicks fan, mm-hmm. I have feelings about Przingis. Okay. Tingus Pingus. Yeah. I think this is a solid move. Okay. 
I'm not willing to crown Boston NBA finalists okay. after this because let's face it, after the messy divorce with him and the Knicks, yeah, and he wound up going to Dallas. To Dallas, yep. Has he been the same player? I mean, as somebody who isn't an active watcher of the NBA, I'm aware of what's going on, mm-hmm. and, and and I know the storylines, and I you know, but do I read every score? Do I read every box score? Do I know every stat? No, but as somebody who like passively pays attention to the NBA until it gets to say the dunk contest and then playoffs, I have not heard anything about him improving. I mean, I'm looking at his uh, stats. Where the hell are there? They are. Uh, so his first full year with Dallas in 2019-2020, he's averaged, what is it, 20.4 points per game. The uh, year after that, 20.1. Third year was 19.2. Uh, first year with Washington was 22.2. Last year, with 23.2. So that is his career high uh, for his entire career. He is in his uh, sixth season uh, in the NBA, so... I mean, up until last year, which honestly I hadn't even heard he was doing well, at least, you know, scoring wise Mm -hmm. at all. So it seems like he's kind of plateaued. Oh, yeah. No, he's plateaued. I mean, since he came in the league in 2015, he's not. This will be his fourth team. Yeah. And for being the guy that was supposed to be the savior of the Knicks, the unicorn. Yep. And how things went very, very south, like in the worst way possible. Uh huh. The fact that he was with Dallas. And was supposed to make some things happen there. Him and Luca. Yeah. It never happened. Ever, oh, everyone crowned him. Oh, he's the next Dirk Nowitzki. Yep. Yeah. And it didn't how, happen. How'd that work out? Mm-hmm. How, many, how many playoff wins? Exactly. Yeah. He's always had issues with injuries, too. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you have to you have to factor that in as well. I'll say it's, what, an 82-game season? Yep. Regular season? Uh, his most games played is his rookie season. Uh, with New York, where he played 72 games. Sophomore was 66. Junior season was 48. Senior season, which was the first one in Dallas, he played 57. Uh, then his second year in Dallas, he played 43 games. Uh, third year in Dallas, he played 34 uh, games with Dallas. And then, obviously, he split that time with Washington, where he played 17 games with Washington. So we average that up about 40, somewhere 40, 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then last season, his first full season with the Washington Wizards, he played 65 yeah. games. So that being said, I don't think that he's still the same player everybody wants to believe he is. Nope. And I'm sorry, like if you're in Washington, big fish, small pond. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. I don't think he's going to be one of the main key components of the Celtics. I think this is a name that they can bring in. Yeah. And maybe if you still have that belief that he's still the same player, that's going to be making some moves. In my opinion, it's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're still behind Jason Tatum. Yeah. Jalen Brown is still there as we record. Yep. So unless he gets traded. Right. I don't. I, I just don't see how everybody was ready to crown them after this move. Yeah, I, I don't either. Like I say, that's that's one of the biggest things I'm sitting here watching the Celtics team and going, right. this is a big move. We like we, we I think we both agreed once the Celtics got bounced, we're like, all right, you need to get somebody who can help Smart and Tatum score mm-hmm. because that was the issue in a lot of games was they put up a decent amount of points, but then it was a very steep drop off to the, anybody else on the starting five yeah. who scored. So your answer is to get rid of one of your scores and add Porzingis, which, okay, he scores, but that's just changing puzzle pieces. Exactly. That's that's not adding anything. It's not subtracting anything. You know, you're not helping yourselves. Yeah. So, like I say, I'm not ready to crown them just yet as NBA finalists. I'm not saying they're going to win the chip. Right. 
I think it's a solid move. I think it's the same results as this past year. Yeah, I think at best. Until you show me otherwise, I, I don't see cause for anointing you. Yeah, there, this move does not move the needle that much. No. It is a noteworthy because of his history, but at the end of the day, it's not going to make the move that I no. think everybody wants it to. No. And then that was all the big moves that happened, but there's still a few players that are being speculated about. Okay. And one of which, which raised the eyebrows of draft night, yeah, is one Damian Lillard. Oh yeah, from Portland. Say so it's the annual Dame watch. Mm-hmm. Because your watches. Because with the drafting mm-hmm. of a new point guard, mm-hmm. it's now up in the air of what's going to happen with him. Mm-hmm. And he, and kudos to him on this. He has never asked for a trade. Nope. He's he's taking the Matthew Stafford approach. Yep. He's going to stay there until they force him out. And it's a shame because he has all the talent in the world. He has just asked for help. Yep. It's get, not much. Get him some players and build the team. I don't think he's exactly asking for the farm, so, no. so to speak. He's not asking for LeBron James or Kevin Durant. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you got to trade for them. No, he's just like, hey, I need some assistance. Exactly. So... He is a player that is going to be watched very, very closely. Pat, I'm going to ask you this. Do you think he gets moved? Knowing Portland the way we do since he's been there and wanted out? Nope. Yeah. No, uh, as much as I would like to see him on any other team because it's a Matthew Stafford. It's the Matthew Stafford of the NBA. He's great. He's got all the talent in the world. But just he just uh, unlike Matthew Stafford, he had Calvin Johnson for some of those years. But he's got all the talent in the world. They just for whatever reason don't put help around him, or it's help that just doesn't pan out. Mm-hmm. And logically, they should get rid of him while there is still some bang for their buck, you know, in that investment. And, bef- and knowing them, they're probably going to sit on it too long and then try to trade him when the value is at its lowest. Oh, probably. And that's the biggest shame, too. Like, I understand about being loyal to a team. And listen, I I applaud this move. Yeah. I do. But it also comes to a time where you've given everything. And I love how you brought up Matthew Stafford because it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. He has always put Portland first. Yep. He has given everything he physically can to that organization. Yep. And all he's asked is for a little help. And if they're not willing to do it, you have to move him. As much as he doesn't want to go, as much as the organization doesn't want to go, you have to cut ties and let him go try getting a chip. Because obviously, you're not that committed to winning one. Nope. Because it's not like he's asked for superstars. He's just asked, give me some players. He was drafted in the first round, sixth overall in 2012 by Portland. Mm-hmm. You ain't won anything with him since. You ain't winning anything with him after. Yeah. So the biggest question is where would he go? Now, I like I say, I don't think he goes anywhere, unfortunately. But I will say this. I think if he gets moved, he's going to the East. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no way Portland's letting him stay in the West. Yeah, any nonsense about him going to the Lakers? That Which, theoretically, I mean, sure, that could happen. That could happen. But, but I don't think Portland lets it happen. Well, I just don't understand how we got to this point where we're trying to help teams in our own division. I have no idea. Like, I really don't. Like, it's just something me as a fan, I, I don't want to see this. I'll say, yeah, no, it's it's same conference. Yeah. And I know there's been a lot of teams in the East that have been tagged with him as possible destinations. Right. Miami is one. That's a scary thought. And my, I tell you what, Miami would probably be the best fit Whoa. for him. Yeah, they would. 
Yeah, they would. Because that's the one thing that team desperately needs. Yeah. And if you pair him with Jimmy Butler, I think the, they would go crazy in the East. I would say oh. that that would yeah. be hands down my favorite to go to the NBA Finals. Oh, yeah. No, if, if Dame Lillard goes to the East and goes to the Miami Heat, lock him in for the Finals. Mm-hmm. I know that Brooklyn has been in conversation. I Brooklyn could be a destination, sure, but they're they're a couple years away. It's it's almost a slight step up from where he is in Portland. Yeah, you'd have to take a look now at who's ready to win, and I think that the list is very short. Mm-hmm. I think Miami makes the most sense. The Knicks could, but they're going to have to give up a lot. But the yeah. thing is, they have assets that Portland would be intrigued with because mm-hmm. they have draft picks for days. Yeah. And I'm sorry if I have the chance to move R.J. Barrett, yeah, and yeah. Fournier, and I, the only player you, I don't. You got hey, listen. If the if the Portland comes with you with a serious offer for Damian Lillard, and I'm the Knicks, you have to entertain it. Yeah, the only person staying is Jalen Brunson. As yeah. much as I love uh, Quentin Grimes, right? I I would have to move him. I right. would. I, I'm sorry. Like I would. I would hate the move, but I would love the move. Right. Because if you get Dame Lillard and Jalen Brunson in that backcourt, right. And get them if Julius Randle can find something. We'll say if he can figure shit out. Yeah, that's a scary three team right there, or a super team, if they can pull that off. And I know it's wishful thinking, but I'll still keep that in mind. But it all really depends on what Portland wants to do to move him. It's like I said, Miami would be the the spot that makes the most sense. Brooklyn could, but it, with his age, it just doesn't go a lot. Right. Milwaukee would be scary. Oh my god. It, but. You would need to fucking lob city. You need a lot of moving parts for that one. Yeah, you would. But I think Giannis would need some help, and I think that's the situation Milwaukee needs to look at. Mm-hmm. Anywhere else in the East, ah, kind of up in the air. I don't see him going to Boston. No, I really don't. But I'm just trying to think of what teams are willing to win now. And you have to take a look at the top four or five seeds in the East of the past year. Mm-hmm. That's where you're going. Cleveland would be a scary spot, but. You just got Donovan Mitchell, and right. I don't know. I don't know how that would all kind of work out, right? But that's going to be one that I think fans are going to definitely be keeping their eyes on for. Mm-hmm. And another one that, uh, and to kind of close out with too, is Paul George. Oh, okay. From the Clippers. Yeah, he has been somebody that's been heating up as of late. Interesting. And they're talking about tearing down the Clippers, uh, quote unquote, dynasty. Well, they are getting that new building. Yeah. And I know the Knicks have been tagged to him as yeah, well. Yeah, I thought I heard something about that, which I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. I, it, I'm, I, I'm kind of split, like as you can tell by the tone of my voice. Yeah. Because it sounds like to me, from the reports I've read, and this is all allegedly, too, mm-hmm. by the way, they would get offered the same deal that Utah wanted for Donovan Mitchell. Sure. Barrett, Grimes, Fournier, Picks. Yeah. yeah. Which... I I could understand, right? but at the same point, if I'm going to do that, I would go for Dame Lillard. Yeah. Paul George is a great player. He's good, but you're losing a lot offensively. And plus, he's had a lot of injury. There's a lot of tread on those tires. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on there. So if they wanted to try doing that, I could understand it. I don't know. Like I say, I'm not in love with the move. Right. But... I could understand the move. There's just not enough pieces there for New York that I'm like, no, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with losing some of those to bring in Paul George. If it's those pieces to bring in Damian Lillard, then I'm like, you know what? All right, we're, yeah. lo- we're losing some stuff. We're adding it with Dame Lillard. You know, Paul George, you're losing stuff. You're not getting it back. Oh, exactly. So, like I say, for him, I 
I would say I'd be a little more skeptical about doing that. I'd be willing. Right. To, I would be willing to move every single draft pick I have because honestly, the Knicks can get by without it. I know that they have been tagged too, along with Zach Levine, and I I hear huh. there's a, there's a lot of a lot of uh, rumors about that that uh, right. you know about coming to New York and who wants to do it, who doesn't. But I think this in closing. I think the Knicks would be interested in getting a guard to help Jalen Brunson out. I know that Josh Hart extended the deadline to opt in for the contract okay. and whatever they're going to do to Thursday, which is a good sign because, I mean, he did play a crucial role in the Knicks' run. Right. But I don't know if he's the end-all, be-all factor to get him over the hump. Mm-hmm. I could still see them making a play for a big man to give him something underneath. Maybe a DeAndre Ayton. Maybe I've heard Towns from Minnesota has been tagged. Okay. Uh, but I think the Knicks are going to want to do a shakeup too as well. And, I mean, being on the steps in the right direction, I think they're just a player away from really making a run. Right. I could say it. So it's going to be an interesting time to see. But as it comes out of the heels of the draft, there's just a lot of dominoes that are going to start falling. And once we start talking about trades as we're going into the summer before the season – I do think we're going to see one blockbuster one happen. Probably. Because like there's a lot of teams that were tanking for Wembiana yeah. and, and lost out on the Wembiana sweepstakes once the uh, draft lottery happened. And, and now they're trying to make up for it. Yeah. So keep an eye on your team and obviously hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What do you think about the current moves of the NBA? Are you, if you're a fan of those teams, do you love them? Do you hate them? And why? Also, if your team is on that cusp about making that star player come to your roster, who would you be willing to trade up and move and uh, have some deals happen for? And then what's your thoughts about the NBA draft? I, like I say, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on it because there really wasn't a lot of sizzle. But other than Wembyama, who else is in there that you think is going to be the star player that we're going to be keeping an eye on for, for years to come? That being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You ever wondered what comics Mark from Vale Am I is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well, Metalcore Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Mott, and here at Metalcore Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern or find it anywhere you find podcasts after it debuts on the radio station. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and it's time to talk a little bit pro wrestling. Let me talk to you. Yeah. This week, the WWE takes over England yeah. and is at the O2 Arena for one of their premium live events Yep, and has now elevated this pay-per-view, as I will always call it, premium mm-hmm. live event it just isn't working for me, to one of the marquee shows of the year, as we always refer to the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, and SummerSlam. This has now made its way into that level, and this is the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Yes. Now, Pad, how would you describe the Money in the Bank for our listeners? So in case you're not familiar with what the Money in the Bank is, it is a briefcase that is uh, suspended over the ring in the air where you have, what is it, five competitors? One, I know one match is Ranging ten, from five to seven. Five to seven competitors in the ring in, what, uh, in a ladder match where, in typical ladder match fashion, you have to climb a ladder, Get whatever's suspended above the ring unhooked, and you have to hold on to it. That's keyword because we know there's been some instances, both independently and in WWE, uh, where somebody's dropped said contents and shenanigans the ending. 
but you grab whatever content is uh, being suspended above the air and you win the match. Mm-hmm. So in this instance, with Money in the Bank, it is a briefcase. And inside said briefcase, air quotes, uh, I, don't, I don't think there's actually anything in there. But the idea is, is that with that briefcase, you get a title opportunity of your choice anytime, anywhere, whenever. Mm-hmm. So you could cash this in at a house show. You could cash this in. You know, on, on an episode of Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown, or hell, even NXT. You could cash it in at any of the pay-per-views. Hell, you could do like Seth Rollins did and cashed in at WrestleMania and shocked the hell out of everybody. You never know. It's one of the most intriguing ideas for a match and let alone pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And now it has kind of grown into a star-making moment. Yeah. For majority of the time. Yeah, what they ran the stats on Monday Night Raw last night where the men have got a 73-74% success rate uh, with cashing in money in the bank. Women, it's currently at 100%. Yes. So it is a star-making moment. At least you'll see the direction the company is going behind said superstar. Uh-huh. And this is always a make-or-break moment because we've had times where CM Punk has won this and right. elevated his stock to... Right. Where it's now carried over AEW. Right. We've also seen this fail in the sense of Damian Sandow and Baron Corbin. I would say Baron Corbin, most notably, yeah. Cashed it in on a random episode of SmackDown that we're like, oh, we like, I remember that year really. Everyone's speculating what was going to happen. And we're sitting there going, oh, shit, he just cashed in. Oh, he lost. Whoops. So it's not always guaranteed success, but it is an idea of who the company is really getting behind Mm -hmm. going into the calendar year. Mm hmm. And this year's lineup has been very, very stacked for both the men's and women's. Yep. So we will definitely be talking about that. But with Monday Night Raw, that was kind of the final send-in to the show. Yep. Pat, I know you caught the show, so let's talk about it. Fairly standard episode of Raw. I mean, they're going overseas to London. I know they'll be doing a house show on Thursday over in England. Mm -hmm. You know, and then Friday Night SmackDown, I know. I forget where, but I know Friday Night SmackDown is going to be over in England, as well as Monday Night Raw will be uh, after the pay-per-view will be over in England as well. So, for I mean, the the show was nothing stellar in terms of, like, in-ring work. There were some good matches. But they, you could tell they were very safe because they didn't want any of their big stars that were being featured in, you know, because like I know Cody had a match and Finn Balor had a match. So it's like, OK, those are two of your marquee names for this pay-per-view. You don't want to get have a freak injury happen. So the, the matches weren't anything blow you away, but there was was some great stuff. I mean, you had the promos uh, Finn Balor did on Seth Rollins. Amazing. Oh, my God. If you haven't seen anything from Monday Night Raw, watch that promo Finn Balor did. I got chills up my spine. Uh, You had the the debut of one of the most anticipated WWE superstars of all time. Cody Rhodes dog Pharaoh. Yeah. (laughs) Pharaoh showed up backstage. Uh, but no, the episode was fine. You know, it wasn't like a home run. It wasn't, you know, it was, it was fine, you know, for for what a go-home show. It was a little lackluster. But then when you think, okay, they're going over to England, they're doing a house show, they're doing, you know, uh, SmackDown there, they're doing Raw there, and the pay-per-view, you kind of sit there and go, okay, I understand why they did what they did. There was another key element of the show that I definitely want to touch upon just for a quick bit. Uh-huh. And that was we saw the NXT champion Carmelo Hayes yes. come on the show. Yes. Uh, was involved in a skit with Seth Rollins. Yep. Uh, Seth Rollins had him at ringside as basically, hey, thank you for what you did helping me on uh, NXT last week. 
And then Finn Balor came out, tried to attack Seth Rollins and tried to use a chair. But Carmelo Hayes grabbed that chair before he could use it. Mm -hmm. And this wound up leading to a match between Carmelo Hayes and Finn Balor with with Finn winning. But this doesn't hurt Carmelo one bit. No. And this is one thing I want to bring up that has been very under the radar amongst fans. The interaction between WWE and NXT. Right has been very noticeable if you've been watching. Well, and according to the reports, Triple H is directly working with Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels is still booking and still running NXT, mm-hmm. but Triple H has a hands-on approach when it comes to NXT, which I think is going to work to the NXT superstar's benefit because how many times did we see through one reason or another male and female superstars come up from NXT to main roster and it just didn't click? Oh, sure. You know, because Vince was hands off. Kevin Dunn was hands off. Hey, Triple H, that's your pet project. That's your baby. You build these guys up. Just know we're going to change them when they get to the main roster. Mm-hmm. Sure, we got the whole Vince nonsense, which every week, oh, he's making changes backstage. He's making changes back, whatever, you know. But Triple H has got a hands-on approach with Sean. Obviously, they're friends. Obviously, they're going to work together. They're, they're on cordial terms. They talk. I think it's going to work to the benefit of there won't be that disconnect like we saw with the carrying cross first go round. Right. Where he was on uh, NXT. He's this dominant force. He's beating the hell out of everybody. And then he's in a gladiator suit made out of leather or whatever the hell it was made out of. Yeah. We you know, we, we, we won't have disconnects like that. No, but I think what he's been doing, and this is a smart uh, marketing tactic. Yeah. When you feature wrestlers that are in nxt on friday night smackdown yeah the monday night raw you're also reaching an audience that we've always called in 607 tws the wwe universe yeah the universe marks the ones yeah. that only watch raw or smackdown right only that is a real thing oh yeah introducing these nxt superstars on the shows right is now opening that niche audience uh-huh into the product that we've known about because we watch all wrestling right and also vice versa bringing in the main roster talent down to nxt uh-huh. is bringing a benefit sure baron corbin's not as big a name as seth rollins but it's still getting a bump in the number of people who watch and that's then leading to folks reacting to and giving because uh, how many times did we see somebody from nxt make a debut on the main roster to crickets yeah I mean, Apollo Crews comes to mind. As For as much as I like his in-ring stuff, I remember his debut, and nobody gave a shit in the audience. Mm-hmm. But last night, uh, Monday Night Raw was from Savannah, Georgia, and, and Carmelo Hayes came out for his match, and there was a cheer. Yeah. People did react, so it's not that usual, like, oh, I feel bad for him. He's debuting to nobody giving a fuck. Well, the fact that they're doing the integration like this, yeah, and you're seeing just the mesh of superstars going on all shows. Yeah. It's raising the mystique of NXT to the casual audience. Mm-hmm. It's raising the ratings, yeah, which is smart because obviously, and we're not going to get into it because I just don't have the time for it, of how AEW is beating them in the Wednesday Night War, quote-unquote, because right. it was the devel- developmental brand and right. all that jazz. Triple H and Shawn Michaels are making this as viable as they can that fans are going to want to tune into all three shows. Right. And you're starting to see that in the ratings. Now, we've never lived and died by the ratings, but it is a good temp in the room. Right. And, hey, if you want to start throwing stones at that house, NXT last week beat Collision. Uh Uh-huh. That's 
That is a very big telling sign. When your developmental brand beat your A show, B show, however you want to define it, depending on which camp you fall on with, with AEW, NXT beat you. Uh-huh. And I think because they've been getting smart and just mixing everybody in. Yeah. That now that audience that was so niche and only watches Monday Night Raw. I knew a few people. Yeah. yeah. Are now tuning in to just see what's going on with NXT. Yeah. Are they going to be staying consistently? We have to wait and see. I think it'll depend on the storylines and the matchups. But I think they've been smart about doing this. Yeah. And especially with where I think things are going with Survivor Series. And I know we're months away from that. I think we're going back to all three brands. That was some of the best storylines recently that I would love to see come back. Oh, I would too. Now, obviously, that was born out of the circumstances in half of the roster trapped over in Saudi Arabia for various reasons. There's a whole bunch of reasons, and none of them are are firmly clear what happened. Right. But all we know is that including the announcing announcing team couldn't get back from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, to wherever the hell NXT, or not NXT, SmackDown was supposed to be. So that led to, uh, what was that? I think it was Brian Danielson taking on Adam Cole on an episode of Monday night or Friday night SmackDown, mm-hmm. which then led to NXT invading. Cause everyone's like, Oh yeah, stay out. You nobody needs you here. And then NXT invading SmackDown and kicking the shit out. I'm like, Hey, all right, you know what? Let's make this three brands. Yeah. And I fully see we're going there. Yeah. I, I hope so. That was great. Yeah. So that is just kind of my takeaway from Monday night raw. And I love how they've been doing this because I'm curious to see what the viewership is going to be for NXT. Yeah. Like I say, not saying they need to be collision or dynamite or anything like that. Right. But, but I want, but does it conti- but does it sustain? I love to see how the Carmelo Hayes effect worked. Right. And it's not just him because people are going to tune in and see other WWE superstars that they see on Monday and Fridays. Right. But I just want to see how this is starting to grow because that's a story that people are not talking about enough. Because Carmelo also on Friday Night SmackDown last week. Yeah. So Interesting little tidbit to follow up as we're going into Money in the Bank, which is taking place this Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Peacock Network. And we are going to be breaking down the card because it is one that I think is very, very stacked from top to bottom. Yeah, it is. So let's get into it, Pat. Yeah, so this is taking place from the O2 Arena. There are seven matches on this card. Uh, I'm going to be reading them from bottom to top on the Wikipedia page. Uh, I will give my guess, and I'm sure you'll give your guess as to what opens and what closes the show. Uh, But the first match we're going to talk about is one that was just announced just last night on Monday Night Raw. Uh, And this is for in a singles matchup for the WWE Intercontinental Championship, where you have Gunther defending his belt against Matt Riddle. Smart move. Yeah. Uh, Riddle is kind of in this flux situation. I know there's a lot of rumors of if, when Randy Orton's coming back, are they going to do something? Hearing some hearsay and rumors. Yeah. In the meantime, though, Gunther needs an opponent. Uh Riddle is very, very qualified for it. Yeah, he is. It's going to be a fun match. Uh, It's going to hurt a lot for Riddle. I hope they bring extra packs of ice for Riddle's chest. Yeah, but this is going to be Gunther all day. Yeah. And then where he's going to go for SummerSlam, that's going to be the interesting question. Yep. Because he's going... This could be a situation Drew McIntyre comes back. Uh, there have been rumors of him, too. At some point, or we go to Sheamus as well. There is going to be the the story, and I understand different brands right now, but yep, I'm just yep, going to yep. say 
McIntyre is more likely to, but you... Mac, well, the McIntyre is easily because he's on uh, technically on Monday Night Raw. Right. So that's easier than Sheamus. So that would make some sense if they wanted to do that. Sheamus is kind of a long shot, but I've been hearing, yeah. you know, if they want to try doing like a trade or something. Well, I think they technically could because we'll get to it in a minute. Liv Morgan is now on Friday Night Smackdowns. Yeah. So they're, they're, you could do it that way. They could do a backdoor trade. There, there, there is an avenue and an, op, and an open doorway for them to do it if they want to. Yeah, but I think we're both in agreement. Gunther all day. Gunther all day. Speaking of Liv Morgan, uh, she is next up because there is a tag team matchup for the Wikipedia. The Wikipedia page is calling this the Women's Tag Team Championship, but I think it's the Unified Tag Women's Tag Team Championship. Yes, because Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler defeated Isla Dawn and Alba Fire uh, on Friday Night SmackDown to unify the Women's Tag Team Championships. Uh, for now, they're carrying two belts, although I imagine we'll get a redesign at some point down the road here. We'll get a redesign, and I'm going to say this. I think this is good if one thing happens. Uh-huh. I want to see Ronda Rousey go to NXT. Okay. I want to see her and Baszler, if they're okay. still champions, go to NXT. I think, I think that's the idea. Yeah, because I think that that would be something to really add to some prestige to the belts. Yeah. Because now, I mean, obviously Triple H is making this a forefront, and I love it. Yeah, I do too. But I want to see this go to NXT at least like once a month. For Boy, a how the eyes would go on NXT for that. Oh, Oof. yeah. But the matchup between Ronda and Shane is going to be uh, going up against Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez uh, re-teaming up for, to reclaim the belts that they, quote, never lost. Which, technically true. Uh, they were forced to vacate due to injury. Uh, but who do you got winning this one? Oh, easily R- Rousey and Baszler. Oh, yeah. I mean... They're going to make Raquel look strong because they've been doing that the last couple of weeks. Where like, despite the fact Raquel's been on her own because, oh, she lost her teammate, you know, whatever else. They've been making her look strong. So I think this is going to be Liv's eating the pin. See, or submission in this case, because, well, arm bar or whatever it is uh, Shayna does for her submission. Yeah. There's one thing I want to see, but I, like I say, with how the roster is divided up right now, I don't think they can do it. Uh-huh. I'd love to see Raquel uh, Rodriguez take on Rhea Ripley. Okay. Like, I think that that would be the great opponent to have. Okay. But I don't know how they're going to do that because, obviously, the roster is. You'd have to wait until Mania, and she'd have to she'd have to win the Rumble. Yeah. So that is going to be something we're going to have to keep an eye on for. But I think for the short term with Money in the Bank, this is going to be, obviously, all day Baszler and uh-huh. Rossi. Like, as much as... I would love to see the titles go back. I just don't think it is, but like I, I can't stress enough. I want to see how they do this. Right. And I want to make sure that if they're going to beat Rodriguez and Morgan, then that's when you see Rousey going to go to NXT and just wrestle. Like I say, it doesn't have to be sure. every month, sure. but I want to see them go there because I sure. think that was something that they should have done when they oh, yeah. introduced the titles first. I, th- I think that was the idea, and then NXT turned around and goes, you know what, fine, you don't want to give us the tag titles, we'll make our own. Yeah, which I, lo- I love that idea too. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be uh, Shayna and Ronda as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up in a uh, tag team matchup, you've got the Bloodline Civil War. Bloodline with Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa, along with Paul Heyman in their corner, taking on Jimmy and Jay Uso. The best storyline in pro wrestling. Hands down possibly history it might be it's it's getting there yeah how they keep reinventing this to keep it fresh and exciting is just a testament to the writers three years in paul Heyman, roman reigns honestly this is compelling tv this is Mm -hmm. cinema every time the the bloodline is involved it's cinema yep so this match i think is going to be an exciting one i think 
we're going to see a lot of near finishes. I think yeah. it's going to get messy. Yeah. We might see new members join the bloodline. Let's say there's going to be a rough bump. Yeah, there'll be a rough the, bump. The, the, the contractually obligated rough bump. Right. But at the end of the day, I fully see Jay Uso, if not both Jimmy and Jay, pinning Roman. I, I think Roman's eating the pin on this one. Yeah, he's going to get pinned. And then I think because there, there's rumors and. and speculation floating around that there's going to be a shocking moment at uh at the pay-per-view you know what it is has not been said excuse me um but that's going to be my guess because roman is technically lost or technically not won with the dq finish against seth rollins but he has not lost in over three years you know what would be absolutely crazy is if he's standing in the center of the ring and the rocks music hit oh That'd be wild in front of that crowd. Oh my god! Yeah, that'd be crazy. Like I, I'm just saying, just the music hits. He doesn't have to come out, but they want to kind of tease something. Yeah, I can see that happening. But yeah. I fully think it's going to be setting up. The Usos are going to win this regardless. Yep. And then I think we have to watch SummerSlam. Like I said, I'm going to call a triple threat. Okay. It's going to be both Usos oh. against uh, taking on Roman. So all, Jimmy versus Jay versus Roman. Yeah, I could see it. You know, because Paul Heyman and, and Roman Reigns like to pull those strings. Yeah. Make matches happen. I want to see this. But, yeah, it's going to be a great match. Uh, and then next up is a singles matchup for the World Heavyweight Championship with Seth freaking Rollins defending his belt against Finn Balor. Well, here's the question, Pad. Yeah. Who are you going with in this one? Uh, well, real. I mean, as much as I would like Finn Balor to win this, it's going to be Seth. You know, I, I don't think they're going to create this new belt, have this whole tournament to crown a new champion, only for him to lose it like the very next month. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I just don't see that happening. Um, as, so, like I said, if Finn if Balor is my favorite wrestler. I would love to see him win because he has not held a title, not counting NXT in seven years, whatever it is, since he had to relinquish the Universal Championship. So I love to see Finn Balor win. So my heart says Finn Balor. My head, though, is saying it's going to be Seth. But it's going to be a phenomenal match. See, I'm half tempted to just say this. Okay. I said last night on 607TWS, Finn, I'm going to stick with it. Okay. Because I think that they would give Finn the 24 hours Mm. to be champion. Sure. And then since Raw is going to be held over in England, sure, that's when Seth gets it back. Mm. They'll, like they'll play hot potato for one night, and it's not going to mean a lot. But sure. I think they could set up some things. But it also ties into when the men's money in the bank match is going to be. That is true. If it leads off, mm-hmm. I like I have this idea that they would set up for a big swerve and have Damian Priest cash in. I could say it. And go after Finn, and then it depends. If Finn ruins the shot for him, then that sets up the dissolvement there. Well, so, well, so what I could see happening is men's money in the bank ladder match leads off. Priest wins. Rollins and Finn are towards the end of the night, you know, because odds are Roman's going to close the show. Let's let's be real. Um, but at some point towards the end of the night, you're going to get this match up. Damien's going to cash in mid match, make it a triple threat, and then. When 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 loser draw, you know he's gonna end up costing Finn the belt. So I, you know, if it ends up being a triple threat between Seth, Finn, and Damian, Finn's not coming out of there with that belt, and then that's gonna lead to a feud between those two. Oh, you just threw something in there I didn't think about. Yeah. What if Damian wins? Sure. So let's just say for conversation's sake, they open the show. Sure. He wins. And then right before they start the match with Seth, 
He just comes in, cashes in. I could see it. And then makes a triple threat. They can't stop him unless, I they, mean, unless they beat the shit out of him. I mean, you could say it's a waste of the they, money in the bank. Because they've already set that up with the backstage interaction. Like, oh, you'd never cash in on me, would you? Yeah. And so the, the seat is there. So maybe they would do something like that. Because I know we've had it one time where somebody cashed in mid-match. Yeah. So yeah. what's to say they wouldn't do that Rollins, again? Rollins did it at Mania. Um, I know... Then Dean Ambrose, now John Moxley, did it after the match was over, you know, the same night. Yeah. A lot of speculation with that one, but I think if everything stays normal with this. Sure. I'm going to say Ballard just because I think that'd okay. be a great swerve, but okay. I the safe money bet, like if I had to put money down on it, it's going to be Seth. Okay. Uh, next up is a singles matchup between Cody Rhodes taking on Dominic Mysterio with Rhea Ripley in his corner. You mean adrenaline in, in my soul. soul? Something, something, Cody Rhodes. Yeah, the road to WrestleMania takes another pit stop with Dominic Mysterio, uh-huh. the heat magnet himself. The number two heel on all of WWE, only behind Roman Reigns. Yep. And this is going to be a, an interesting match, to say the least. I'm gonna, I'm interested to see the chance the uh, London crowd comes up with, because we know one thing about those folks over in London. You are very creative with your chance. Yes. And I can't wait to hear what oh. they got to say. Uh, anybody listening in London, if you're going to be there, I got high expectations. We do have some London listeners, so I definitely want to hear this. And definitely shoot us the line what you're thinking on that hashtag, ODPHpod. Uh, this match, though, is a solid one because Brock Lesnar is going to be involved okay. one way or another. Oh, God, yeah. They're, yeah. they're going to set up for Cody and Brock at SummerSlam. That open invitation for Brock to face him anytime, anywhere, any place is open. Uh, Brock has, as of yet, not responded to it, so... He's going to interfere with this. Dominic's going to get the win, and then Brock's going to come back in the ring and look at him and go, I accept. I'll see you at SummerSlam. Yeah, and there'll be some stipulation for that. I'm still saying hell in a cell. I could see it. But this all depends what they're going to do, but that'll be the blow-off to that feud that's going on. Yeah. But Dominic Mysterio's winning this one outright. Yep. Uh, I'm curious to see how long they're going to let him wrestle before Brock hits Mm. and if he can improve there. Because, like I say, his in-ring work – He's shown flashes, sure, but I'm still not there on him. I think it depends on where this match falls. If it falls, you know, after the if it falls after the two Money in the Bank ladder matches, then it's not going to get a lot of time because those ladder matches eat up a lot of time. Yeah, and you also got to remember, Rome. I, we we talked about it earlier. Roman is closing this show. Mm-hmm. You know, he he don't open the show. He don't be in the middle. He's he closes the show. Yeah, he's going to be at least a half hour minimum. So that's it. The, how long in, in regards to your question? It all depends on where this fa- falls in the match order. Yeah. Next up is the first of the two Money in the Bank ladder matches, and this one is the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. And of course, as we mentioned, uh, this is for a championship opportunity of their choosing anywhere, anytime, any place. And your competitors in this match are Zelina Vega, Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark, Bailey, EO Sky, and the Hall of Famer Trish Stratus. This is going to be a great match. Yeah, it is. Honestly, anybody involved in this match can come out and win, and it's believable, and there's a story instantly set in. Mm-hmm. Zelina Vega is the ultimate underdog. Yeah, she is. And everybody's counting her out. She had that great showing in Puerto Rico. At, oh, my God. At Backlash. I could see her getting another shot and, uh-huh. and, and really running with it here. The Becky, Zoe, Trish storyline, I could see... Uh, that one going literally either way. Yeah. Because it would be something if Becky wins, sure. If Trish wins, which could definitely happen. Right. Uh, with Zoe's help. Yeah. 
Uh, that could also lead to some fun interactions as well. The, I know that it's been floated around. I know Rich was even talking about this on the 607 TWS about Lita coming down and helping and, and setting up that tag match. That's for true. Yeah, that's so true. that's a possibility. But what I think is going to happen here is I think we're going to see the implosion of damage control. Yeah. That I think that with so many other storylines going on, and, and Zelina Vega could get thrown in this and actually be put into this storyline, maybe her against Bailey, a program going right, on. Right, right. But I think this is all EO Sky all day. Okay. And I think that EO's going to do this. Bailey's okay. going to try screwing her out of it and fail, and EO's going to wind up winning. And then I don't know where she goes from here. Right. You know, like I say, you could run her and Asuka. Yeah, yeah. Uh, depending on what happens with Charlotte as well. Yeah. She could make the jump to Raw yeah. and do something there. I mean, there's a lot of openings that they can run with this I'll year. say the the one thing we should note that we didn't is that the uh, contract is not brand specific. Yeah. So you can do it on anybody. Uh, I think it's going to end up being Zelina Vega. I think it would have been somebody else, but then you had the uh, the situation in Puerto Rico happen with the reaction Zelina got, and that I think that changed some things. It's like, hey, you know what? Let's give her a shot with this. Yeah. I, I could see anybody else in this match winning. though. I, I just think it's going to be, you know, the ultimate underdog. Because let's face it, Selena Vega is the only person in this match that does not have an active feud or an active, you know, quote unquote, hatred going against each other. Uh, Becky Lynch is hated by everybody else in this match except for Selena Vega. Mm-hmm. Eosky and Bailey, eh, there's a little, you know. Tension there. Tension there. Trish and, and uh, Zoe Stark, they hate Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. Zelina is kind of the only person like, oh, I don't have a mark on my back with this. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, certainly not leastly, you've got the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, which, of course, is uh, gives you a championship opportunity of your time, choice, anywhere, anyplace, anytime. Uh, the competitors in this match are Ricochet, Shinsuke Nakamura, Santos Escobar, Butch, Damian Priest, Logan Paul, and L.A. Knight. Yeah. Let me talk to you. Uh-huh. This in my eyes, comes down to three competitors. Okay. I think this is going to be Knight, Priest, and Paul. Okay. It's nothing against Butch until they revert his name back to Pete Dunne. Please. I think the fact he's in this is a big moment for him. Hey, it's a good rub. But I I think until they decide to make that name switch, I don't see him getting the shot here. Nakamura is an interesting one because he doesn't really have a storyline. He's been featured lately. Sure, they could give it to him. It's believable, and I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, the same thing can be said for Ricochet, because now he's going back to singles because Braun Strowman's out with injury. Right. So that said, I think now is who you're going to make a star. Mm-hmm. Who's been on the cusp? Who who can use it to go over more? Right. And I think the safe money bet is L.A. Knight. Yeah. But here's the question. Okay. He wins. Okay. He's on SmackDown. Sure. Are you going to have him stay on SmackDown and then eventually challenge and lose to Roman? Nope. Or are you going to have him jump ship to Monday Night Raw and then he faces Seth? Uh, That's my choice. See, it's also a situation of does he need the belt or the briefcase? Uh, They'd be smart, too. Oh, they'd be smart. The man got his name chanted at the Saudi Arabia press conference, and he wasn't even there. Yeah. He he was, let's put it, be clear, he was in Saudi Arabia. He was away at his hotel while the press conference was going. He was. Uh, he said he was interviewed by Chris Van Vliet, mm-hmm. who he told Chris, I was two miles away at a hotel, not even watching, and somebody tagged me on Instagram, and I was like, okay, yeah, sure, it's probably like three people. And then he watched the video and goes, oh, my God, no, it's actually like the entire crowd. Yeah. 
I think if he's going to win this, I don't know if I would do money in the bank. Okay. I would much rather see him get the United States title. Okay. Or a mid-card title. Okay. Just because in the situation here, you're almost kind of putting yourself in a corner because you there's only one way out, and that's fighting Roman and losing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As much as he's over, I think that would be so detrimental. Yeah, the, and, no, there's no way he's beating Roman. Right. And then with as over as he is right now, well, if he goes challenges Seth, he has to move shows. Yeah. That is some star power that people are tuning in Friday nights to watch. Yeah, it's well, it's one of them. So do you make that move? And that's and that's such a crazy area as well. See, I think you play it out. You know, he doesn't have to cash in that night. Right. I think for me, some of them sneak in one of the, the runs I remember in my admittedly brief time watching professional wrestling in WWE was when Seth had the belt. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, that was almost a year before he actually cashed the thing out. But it was the fun of he'd show up. He looked like he's going to cash it in. Then he'd pull it back. And be like, yeah, you know what? Now's not the time. You know, and all there were all the shenanigans and fun he had with it in that year. But he doesn't have to cash in in the first month, two months, three months. He, they said on Raw. In the, in the promo package they ran for the event, he has a calendar year to use the briefcase. Mm-hmm. Draw it out. Have some fun with it. Go to Raw. Go to SmackDown. Go to NXT. Really in, in do them. And it doesn't have to be successive weeks like, oh, this week he was on Raw. This week he was on SmackDown. Next week he's on NXT. Play it out. Do some storylines. Have some fun with it. I mean, you could definitely do that. And, and Knight could go some places with it. I just don't know if he needs it right now at this moment. I think it'd be smarter to give it to Damian Priest. Yeah, I mean that's the for me that's the easy choice. It's the easy choice, but you know what? He's been on the cusp for so long, and you think about how much trust they have in him by putting him in the match with Bad Bunny, and down in Backlash. Yeah, that's true. Like he's been there. This could be a moment to really go someplace with him. And not saying he's going to become champion, but this could definitely elevate him to a main eventer. Yeah, yeah, it could because he's right on that cusp. Logan Paul is the ultimate X factor. Uh, he ain't winning. Yeah, never say never. He could win and then just disappear and then everybody forgets. See, that takes away the fun and the mystique of the briefcase, though, because, like, anytime he shows up, it's okay. He, we know, unless he's going to start committing to being there weekly or at least more regularly than he has been, which I'm not knocking the guy. He's not a full-time guy. He's he's a part-time. He's a spectacle. Yeah, but... but you know, but unless he's going to start showing up more than he does, it kind of takes away the mystique of, of the briefcase. But how much heel heat would he get if he's just like, yeah, I didn't bring it tonight? Uh, yeah. I didn't. You know he'd, he'd dive into there. Fill it, fill it full of uh, bottles of Prime. Exactly. Like, he'd, he'd go some places with it and just tick the internet off. Oh, redo the redo the John Moxley Seth Rollins bit where where Moxley filled it with uh, green slime and but in this case it's Prime. Yeah, spray somebody with Prime and when they open it. Yeah, do something like that. Like that'd be, he, that'd be good. Like I said, he would have some fun with it, and that's what I said. Like you could give it to him, and you know what? it's believable because he'll just disappear. Oh, and he featured every every week or however often his podcast is. Oh yeah, he'd that'd have, be that'd be fucking front and center. Yeah, he'd have it there. It would it would be, like I say it would be like a Dominic uh, Mysterio heat magnet. Yeah. People would be losing their minds because he's like, oh, he's disrespecting the belt. He's doing this, blah, blah, blah. Not to say he would become champion. Right. But right. let's think about it. If he just magically showed up on Monday Night Raw months down the road. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's looking for him. Boom. I'm telling you, that's that's a possibility. Like, So if they don't give it to Priest mm-hmm. or Knight, he's winning it, and that's what he's going to do with it. But I think that you're in an assessment. It's going to be L.A. Knight. Yeah, L.A. Knight. I'm taking Damian Priest. Yeah. 
But it's still going to be a fun card nevertheless. So yeah. make sure to hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about money in the bank? Who you got getting the briefcase from the men's and women's matches? Who you got for the rest of the card? And let's talk about NXT a little more, shall we? Because they got some really interesting stuff in the works. Big show tonight as we record. Yeah. And if you're looking for more pro wrestling content, make sure to go drop that follow, subscribe to 607 TWS, the wrestling show on your favorite podcast provider because we're doing more deep dives into independent pro wrestling such as AIW, GCW, and we're talking with no strings attached about AEW. So you're getting all that pro wrestling talk to you. So much content you can find. We got to talk that pro wrestling. That being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH Podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Obviously, first of all, which is the local minute. And we got to give some shout outs to the Binghamton Rumble Ponies and the fans. Uh, because as the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, who are, of course, the AA affiliate of the New York Mets we have here in Binghamton, posted on their Facebook account uh, five hours ago today as we record. It reads, quote, Thank you, fans. The Binghamton Rumble Ponies, AA affiliate of the New York Mets, are proud to announce a 52% increase in year-to-date attendance at home games this season. The Rumble Ponies have drawn a total of 77,636 fans in uh, this this season. Uh, Quote, We are so appreciative of our fans' incredible passion and support for the Rumble Ponies, said Binghamton Rumble Ponies General Manager John Bain. Our aim has been to improve every aspect of the fan experience when they come to a Rumble Ponies baseball game. We can't wait for fans to enjoy more great memories at Marabito Stadium throughout the rest of the season. Close quote. Uh, and then from uh, Binghamton Mayor Cram, uh, he said, quote, More and more people are heading to Marabito Stadium to catch a Rumble Ponies game this season, making downtown Binghamton even more of a destination. The team's rising attendance is a testament to the direction of the new ownership and years of public and private investments that have made the ballpark one of the best in the Eastern League, close quote. Uh, Fans from all over come to see the Ponies play as so far the Rumble Ponies have welcomed fans from 31 states as well as Canada and the United Kingdom. Oh, let's go. Close quote. Uh, They include some uh, stuff. It says, uh, join us the second half of the season, which begins Wednesday at home. Uh, Tickets are available online or by visiting the Visions Federal Credit Union starting gate box office. So, hey, to the fans uh, that have attended uh, Roman Ponies baseball games this year, kudos to you. You know, it's always great to hear stories like this. Because remember, it wasn't too long ago. Yeah. That the team was on the chopping block? The chopping block, and there was talks of the team was on the chopping block, and then there was talk of previous ownership moving the team to, like, Delaware yeah. or some crazy place like that. But to see how the the fans are turning out. Yeah. And we'll be honest. Pat and I can both give self-testimonies here. Yes. Every time we've gone to the Ponies Stadium, mm-hmm. it's been a fun time. Oh, it's been amazing. And, and if you haven't been to the stadium – in a number of years, whether you're not the biggest baseball fan or you were turned off by the product, seriously, go down to the stadium. It is a night and day difference from what it used to be. Yeah. On the field, 
off the field in terms of what they offer for food for for food you know some of the merchandise that's there you know you'd go there you all right there's the peanuts all right there's the popcorn all right there's the hot dogs like there's so much more there than what used to be they've made the seats are incredible the video board they've got out, out in the outfield between right field and center field is incredible they've got you know the the new the newer video board out in left field which gives you like the pitching information to like statistics of like how many pitches they've thrown and balls and strikes and all this crazy stuff it's awesome to see so if you have the chance get down to the stadium and go check it out and in case you want to get down to the stadium and check out a game they are in town this week uh, but before that we'll look at their recap from their games this past week uh they were on the road playing akron uh they had a game on tuesday the 20th where they won by the final score of five to two one on wednesday by the final score of four to two one on Thursday by the final score of eight to two. Uh, they had a doubleheader on Wednesday. They won the first game by the final score of four to three. Second game was a makeup from a game that was posted postponed back at uh, on four thirty. Uh, they lost that by the final score of four to two. Lost on Saturday by the final score of four to three, and then lost on Sunday by the final score of five to three. Uh, this week they are in town playing the Hartford Yard Goats. Uh, they start the series this Wednesday, uh, June the twenty eighth at six thirty five p.m. Eastern. Uh, they also play them again at 6.35 p.m. Eastern on uh, Thursday. Friday, they start at 7.05, and we should note uh, the Friday game is also a fireworks series. Friday, also Defenders of the Diamond Knight, uh, where it, it, uh, this is, uh, quote, calling all superheroes. It's Marvel Defenders of the Diamond Knight, and the Binghamton Rumble Ponies will rock their Marvel-inspired gear on field, battling the Hartford Yard Goats to a certain victory. Get kitted out in your own Defenders of the Diamond merch in the Lord's Armory Team Store. Players will be wearing on-field Marvel jerseys. Uh, and I should note, uh, the lo- they will be wearing a slightly different logo uh, than you're accustomed to. That one designed by Marvel themselves. Let's go. If you have not seen the uh, logo, the logo is absolutely incredible. I need to get a hat with that logo. Just saying. Uh, and then they've got a game again on Saturday at 6.07 because it is 6.07 Saturdays. Uh, should also note it is show me the money because, quote, let us show you the money. As a tribute to Bobby Bonilla, we will be giving, a- <laughs> <laughs> we will be giving away $11.93 for the next 36 years. Come to tonight's game and maybe you negotiate a great and lucky deal like Bobby did. Oh, my God. So one lucky fan at this game for the next 36 years will be given $11.93 from the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. That is the greatest promotion I've ever heard of in my life. That's incredible. Bar none. Uh, they've got another game on Sunday, uh, that one at 1.05 p.m. Eastern. That is Kids Eat Free Sundays. Uh, so that one is Come and Enjoy Sundays at Morabito with the entire family on select Sundays throughout the entire season. Kids 12 and under can come to Morabito Stadium and enjoy a delicious Nathan's hot dog and a 24-ounce fountain beverage for free. Uh, there are some Sundays excluded, that being 528, 618, and 9-3. Uh, so you got that going on. It is also Worldwide Sport T-shirt giveaway. Uh, that is the first 500 fans in attendance will receive a complimentary T-shirt courtesy of Worldwide Sports. And it is Senior Stroll Sunday. So that is put on your cross trainers, gather some friends, and come and get your steps in. Come and walk the warm-up track when the gates open until 30 minutes before the start of the game. 
You ever want to walk a baseball field? There's your option. To, there's your opportunity to do it. And then they've got a rear game on Monday to close out the series. That one at 6:30. This is on uh, July the third, uh, where they're playing the Hartford Yard Goats at 6:35 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that one is going to be a uh, firework night because while well, they're out of town on the July the fourth, so that's going to be their Fourth of July fireworks spectacular. So. Fourth of July fireworks at a baseball game are uh, going to be awesome to see. They always go out with a bang. Uh, and be, and should be noted that that game is going to be Bing Bang Boom Night uh, because it says Bing Bang Boom goes the Fourth of July fireworks. A Binghamton Rockets red glare tradition like no other. Stick around post game for the best fireworks show in town. We guarantee it will blow your mind. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so for more tickets, information, all that good stuff, bingrp.com. That's some awesome lineups they got coming. Shout out to Bobby Bonilla promotion, though. That is the funniest shit I've ever heard. That's amazing. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Oh, my God. Uh, and then sticking with some baseball news, uh, we got a little bit of, of an update to the Alec Manoa situation with the, the Toronto Blue Jays. Of course, he is the gentleman uh, that went from uh, pitching in the All-Star game last year, telling John Smoltz on the Fox national TV broadcast what he was going to throw, and even taking uh, suggestions from John Smoltz on what he should throw. Uh, to be finishing, I looked it up, finishing third last year in the AL Cy Young voting, uh, finishing behind Justin Verlander of the Houston Astros, who ultimately won, Dylan Cease of the Chicago White Sox, who finished second, Alex Manoa finished third, 80, uh, 87 uh votes point vote points finished third so to getting uh demoted from the major league roster uh, not getting demoted to triple a not getting demoted to double a not single a of any level no he went to the florida complex league which we as we mentioned a couple weeks ago basically it's it's below rookie balls for folks who are just coming out of high school maybe just coming out of college most of them are like 17 18 19 years old you know they're not real good. They're still honing their skills. It's it's kind of like a place to like really work on work on your stuff. Uh, he made his first start. It did not go well for Alec Manoa. Uh, so reading from an article on ESPN.com, it says, "Quote: Toronto Blue Jays starter Alec Manoa was hit hard in his first game after returning to the minors, allowing 11 runs over two and two thirds inning in a rookie level Florida Complex League game Tuesday." The Blue Jays sent the struggling right-hander down on June 6th after the 2022 All-Star and AL Cy Young finalist couldn't get out of the first inning against the Houston Astros. Pitching for the FCL Blue Jays against the Yankees at New York's minor league complex, he gave up 10 hits, including two homers, two walks against the lineup comprising players who were mostly 17 to 19 years old. After Manoa, 25, allowed an RBI single to Hans Montero in the first, Roderick Arias hit a second-inning three-run homer that cleared the approximately 30-foot center field batter's eye. Arias, 18, received a $4 million signing bonus in 2022 from the New York Yankees, so he ain't been around long. Uh, Manoa needed 26 pitches, including 15 strikes in the second. Manoa was chased after giving up six more runs in the third that featured an opposite field two-run homer to right by uh, Kiner Delgado. Manoa was booed by Toronto fans after allowing six runs and seven hits and one-third of an inning on June 5th in his seventh straight losing decision. He went 1-7 with a 6.36 ERA in 13 starts after going 16-7 with a 2.24 ERA in 31 starts last season. Manoa has allowed 45 runs in 58 innings. He allowed 55 runs in 196 and two-thirds innings in all of 2022. 
He went 9-2 with a 3.22 ERA in 20 starts as a rookie in 2021, close quote. I don't know what the hell's wrong with this guy, but dude needs a lot of work. There's a lot of work that needs to be done with him. I feel no shame about this either because this is a dude that when asked about pitching in the playoffs during the 2022 season, he said, quote, I've had some coaches who have said pressure is what you put in tires. This is just baseball. Just have to go out there and have some fun, close quote. Yeah. Uh, how's that pressure working? Not so good by the way it's sounding there. Nope. Not wishing ill on the guy, but listen, for all the shit you've talked and all the bullshit you've spit out of your mouth, especially about Yankees and Garrett Cole and Eric jo- Aaron Judge, you ain't putting up the numbers to back it up, dude. No, absolutely not. Not wishing ill on the guy, but hey, when you talk this much shit, you got to back it up. Absolutely. So there is some uh, two points I want to bring up. One, and I apologize if anybody heard some noise going off. Maybe it's just me, but Twitter uh-huh. has been popping up with more reels. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like for some reason. So, interesting. So if anything was heard, I apologize. Okay. Because I was trying to call out because late breaking, it has been announced when your New York Rangers okay. are going to be kicking off their season. And the first game for the Blue Shirts is going to be in Buffalo on October 12th. And they're opening at home against the Arizona squad. Okay. Well, currently the Coyotes. We'll see where they end up. Yeah. On Monday, October 16th. Oh, interesting. So the schedules are now coming out for everybody's teams. So if you are interested in checking that out and, you know, obviously – your hockey team matters, but let's face it, this is why we don't talk any other hockey on here. Other if it than, ain't the Rangers, we don't give a fuck. Yeah, that's that's the gist of that, folks, because mm-hmm. if it's not Rangers, we don't care. Yep. And I make a very big point to say this because I always get told, you guys should talk more hockey. It's like, yeah, but no. We don't care. Uh, you're, you're a Rangers fan? I'm a Rangers fan? Uh, a little biased. Yeah, we're, we're very biased, so you're not going to hear anything um, right down the middle. Mm-hmm. It's going to be nope. very, very blue shirts heavy. So, like I say, the season is kicking off in October. I was hoping it's going to be around New York Comic Con time, so I could go to the home opener. But I'm going to miss it by a day. Darn. Which, yeah, it is what it is. But they'll be two and zero by the time they get to the MSG. So you know, it'll be a fun time to catch. Yeah. To check them out. And like I say, I don't know. Just Twitter's just been acting up. Lately. Yeah. Like I say, I just I hate it when I sign in to go check something and oh, a reel yeah. pops up. Yeah, that happens. Little peek behind the curtain of how we're doing the news here today. But to close off, too, I want to read off a press release that came to us straight from the WWE, and that is Jackie Redman is to join Monday Night Raw and Premium Live Event kickoff shows. Hey! Quoting the press release from WWE, WWE has announced that Jackie Redman will be taking on an expanded role with the company beginning this Saturday, July 1st. Redman will serve as a backstage interviewer for Monday Night Raw along with Brian Saxton. Uh, additionally, she will join Kayla Braxton to co-host the WWE's Premium Live Event kickoff show with Booker T and Peter Rosenberg. Redmond will also ser- continue to do studio work throughout the year. Uh, Megan Morant is going to be taking on an expended full-time role at WWE's Stanford Studios, where she will host Raw Talk and SmackDown Lowdown, international shows and for television, and various digital shows, including Monday Night Raw's sidecast on Twitch. And Kathy Kelly will be moving to Friday Night SmackDown, where she will join Kayla Braxton as a backstage interviewer, hey, unquote. Hey. So big moves going on in the backstage area for WWE. So uh, kudos to Jackie. Yeah, that's, that's, that's congratulations. Good. Yeah, it'll be an awesome move to see her. 
on Monday Night Raw and obviously kicking off the premium live event for Money in the Bank. So, you know, like I say, a lot of big wins going around. I yeah. uh, just got one thing quick uh, breaking to us as we currently record because uh, and it's some unfortunate news. It is being reported by uh, the New England Patriots and various other uh, sources uh, that former NFL quarterback Ryan Mallett has unfortunately passed away. Oh. Uh, yeah, the New England Patriots posted on Facebook, which is where I first saw this, uh, quote, the New England Patriots are deeply saddened to learn of the sudden and unexpected passing of former quarterback Ryan Mallett. Our thoughts are with the Mallett family, his former teammates, and all who are mourning his loss, close quote. Uh, Mallett, who was, of course, a uh, Texas a Texas uh, player, he played for college at Michigan for one year, was at Arkansas for uh, two years before he was drafted in 2011 by the New England Patriots. He was with the Patriots from 2011 to 2013. Houston Texans from 2014 to 2015, and then the Baltimore Ravens from 2015 to 2017. Uh, he was a two-time second-team All-SEC in 2009-2010. Uh, he threw nine touchdowns in his uh, NFL career, uh, completed 190 passes uh, You know, with uh, 1,835 passing yards. It is being reported that it was an accidental drowning. Uh, in Destin, Florida. Uh, so thoughts and prayers to him. And I remember him, you know, being drafted by the by the Patriots and thinking, oh, maybe this is it, it was one of many and a long list of players. That I thought, oh, maybe this is the guy they're going to get and groom for when Tom Brady eventually leaves. And none of them ever did. Uh, but, hey, I remember him and some good times up there in New England. So definitely some thoughts and prayers and well wishes to his family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, tough, tough loss. That's a very, very tough loss. <laughs> Hate ending the show like that, yeah. but, you know, obviously yep. we want to pay some respect. Uh, yeah, And like I say, our deepest condolences out to his family, friends, and fans yeah. all over the world. I re- like, I remember him. Yeah. Hell, hell of an arm yeah. for a quarterback. Great arm. Yeah. So, obviously, our deepest condolences here from everybody at the ODPH. Yep. Uh, for that being said, uh, for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's it for this week for sports. So for the one only Padawan, Jay. Uh, in lieu of my normal ending, given the circumstances, rest in peace, Ryan Mallett. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Waste of time Swiping left and swiping right On people you could know Cause anyone who's worth a damn Be worth way more than a picture could ever show You can find the right light Find the right angle And never find your soul And it can feel like a losing battle And this plot is full of holes This modern way of finding love Just makes me feel so alone And I can't be the only one Sick of staring at my phone So look up Everyone has just one true love All I know is you're across this table And you're all I'm thinking of So look up, talk to me 
swiping left and swiping right on people you could know.